I really like your outfit, Jack. You're really pulling off. Yeah, you're really pulling off the t-shirt tuck in. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you got the mom jeans, some graphic tee tucked in. The jeans look real dirty. It's a good look. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm Madison. We haven't met. No. I just feel like I know you. I've heard a lot of stories about you. Yeah. (laughs) All really great things. Hello, and welcome to the Indexical Podcast. This is John Myers. And this is Madison Hying. This past weekend, John, Andrew C. Smith, and I got the chance to talk to composer Jack Callahan in advance of his concerts in Santa Cruz, which will be held at the Radius Gallery on February 24th and 25th. You can find out more about the concerts at indexical.org. In the following interview segments, we talk to Jack about his electronic music moniker, Duraya, his recent piece, Housed, working with Jörg Fry, and his imprint, Bon Me Verlag. Throughout the interview, we will play excerpts from the pieces we discuss, including Housed, pieces by Michael Pissarro, and Jörg Fry. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. So this is, <laughs> we're still trying to get our format down here, Jack, yeah, as you yeah, can tell. Know, this is John Myers, where we're here in beautiful uh, Queens, New York. Um, it's about 1.38 in the afternoon. I would say, what do you think, 65 degrees outside? I would say like it's that? very close to that, yeah. Uh, and I'm here with Jack Callahan, and we've got joining us via Skype, or I guess we're joining you, probably, right. more realistically. It's all the same. There. Join each other. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is Madison High. This is Andrew Smith. So, yeah, we were just talking about it a little bit, but uh, why, don't you, why don't you lay out what, what the plan is for your, uh, your solo set on Saturday night? So, um, yeah, so on Saturday I'm going to be performing as under my, my nom, my moniker that I've been using for the last few years is Degraya, which actually I can... It's... Uh, have a couple oh you've got the journal here. i've the got journal. a journal if you can see uh i've got a couple cop i've got a, i've got volumes one volume two and volume five not the complete set but they're very expensive <laughs> um, but uh yeah for people who don't know Raya is uh it was a journal of basically like the darmstadt summer courses in the 50s and 60s that was um edited by herbert eimert and carl Heinz stockhausen and it's kind of like a journal of like contemporary like music practices. There are people like you know like Boulez, Stockhausen, Ligeti, like all those guys wrote essays about other their peers' work. About there's a whole edition or there's a whole volume of it that's just dedicated to Webern. So it's very like mid-century like European serialist centered. But I really I always I was really 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 into it when I was in college. Just because it's such a crazy relic, and nobody can like they have. I was like the first person to read to check out the the complete like copies of Diraya from the library since like 1974 or something. Right. Like, yeah. so I'm just I might I might just go back and steal it because I don't think anybody's gonna read it. But you could maybe edit and censor that out. Um, but so, anyways, yeah, hipster college. Yeah, exactly. I'll be sure to, to, to yeah, don't post this on their page. Um, 
But so yeah, I've been performing as Uriah um, lately, or the last couple years, I guess. So I'm going to be doing a piece um, that's an adaptation of uh, a piece that the label NNA Tapes put out called Housed, which is just a collection of, um, I guess, 850 samples from 250 something around 250 songs by like 180 something artists or producers like house house music producers i really i really love house music i love disco i love dance music um but um so i was really kind of interested in taking taking these like essential building building blocks of uh the genre, which is just chords. I just took samples of individual chords from each each track. And, you know, I studied jazz for a long time, and I love jazz. And in house music, like, the really essential thing is, like, these seventh chords, these ninth chords, like, very, like, much jazz influence, like, 60s, 70s, modern jazz influence, like, Roy Ayers, like, Herbie Hancock, stuff like that, like, and they're really, these really lush chords, these really nice synth pads, oftentimes because the production on them are like really really amazing um but so i took i just went through and they're all samples from youtube there's like it's like no no fidelity it's not Mm. like sample from records it's not it's definitely not about like the fidelity because like so many like people sampling stuff on like mpcs throughout the 80s and like not forever like they had like like you know fuck the like audio file mentality of like that kind of stuff sometimes where the, those dudes sampling on NPCs would like sample like 12 bit and to save space on the NPC in order to like be able to like store more samples. So like forever sampling has been digital and like grainy and fucked up. So like, I don't think sampling from YouTube, I don't think is like any less because I've talked to people about this. So I'm kind of being defensive right now, but it's, I don't <laughs> think sampling from YouTube is any less like legit or like pure than like anything sampling an MP3. I don't think is any less legit than like, sampling at like 12 bits basically so that's that but so i have this collection of chords and on the tape one side of the tape is these chords just pure chords nothing else no beats anything and they're all different lengths one side of the tape is a complete random ordering that is just i just put them into a max patch and just they just spit them up like completely random order and on side b of the tape it's shortest to longest which um I guess I'll probably talk about and make a joke about in the performance because I'm going to be surrounded by people who are really good at like uh, coding and I could have probably contacted like Andrew or David Kent and been like, hey, I want to arrange these samples from shortest to longest. Can you do that? And I bet they could have like in five minutes been like, okay, here you go. Here's the code that you need to use. I spent like... 10 hours arranging them from shortest to longest because you can't do it by file size because they're right. not some of them have l- l- more silence or like not as loud so i had to like i went like fucking one by it was crazy how many cds did you have to burn in order to listen to all these <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly to, uh... yeah it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds no, it was <laughs> it was so insane i cannot believe i did that but it's that sweat you really you can really hear the labor and the sweat and the work of love and the peace shortest to longest but so for my performance all this this is all the background for my performance um i'm going to be doing a i'm going to be presenting these samples but i'm going to be doing like 
a talk, an introduction of how I did it, and I'm going to be playing the the songs, a, a bunch of the songs, like the intros to these songs that have the chords in them of these classic tracks, like these like like Frankie Knuckles tracks, like uh, 808 State, like these very recognizable tracks that even if you don't know them, you've like heard them before of like these intros of like like total like nine eighties and nineties house music, like classic house anthems, like and then like taking like playing those and then talking about the process and then playing the like the abstracted cut like whatever individual samples of them and like sort and then I'm gonna talk to the audience. I'm gonna quiz the audience, see if they know a little bit about house music. Mm. It's all gonna have be good fun. Have you always presented the piece like that, or is this like a new thing? And why do you want to do new, it? I mean, that the way? piece itself is I've done it live only a few times, um, and it's kind of changed each time. I've done it. I did it in um, in I did it in Berlin, and I did it in Dresden a couple weeks ago, and I did it here at this place, the Knockdown Center, and that's when oh, I yeah. I played it at the Knockdown Center, and I did it sort of like that and I'm developing it from there but it's been more because like just playing it as a the samples in total if I just played them back to back in a ran or whatever order it's only 10 minutes and so it's like you could be I could just press play and it would just be a random order but it's just like if the audience doesn't know what it is it's like okay doesn't there's no I mean it's it's cool that it's like just completely formless and that's like part of it um, but it's just kind of like lacking without it, some sort of context or whatever. And it's like, just playing, like, I don't really get anything out of just playing them in a random order each time, or playing them shortest to longest. So one performance I like sort of, I had the samples trigger like Max in like Max for Live type environment. I had them like, every time there was a, like a ping to trigger a new sample, it would also send a message to like a, a sample a drum machine that would like I could turn on and off and it had like 909 samples on it which is like the one of the quintessential drum machines of house music but so I you know kind of played with that and like especially on a good system when you have like a kick going like gives more emphasis it's kind of more like kind of sounds more like Mark Fell or something like that a little more like clubby sort of and it would be like like claps and stuff like so that was kind of fun that was more just like yeah, like when I played it, like a, with it through like a club sound system, that was more kind of fun. But like, I'm not. It's cool, but it didn't really give me the satisfaction of like, it. W it was a little too much fun. I don't, you know, <laughs> when music gets too fun or like enjoyable to listen to, <laughs> it's when the ears start turning off, man. You know, you gotta like, you gotta perk them up a little bit.
had, and you sort of maybe talked to it a little bit and stole my thunder, but that's okay. Um, so I'm just sort of curious about your ti- the titles of your projects, um, Derea and Bon Miverlag, because it's like, I, I'm not sure, like, do you have some sort of like Stockhausen fetish or is it like a joke? <laughs> like, I'm just not really sure. Sure. And- um, so, yeah. Uh, well, Derea was just, Jiraiya really was like, um, and I that was bef- I came up with that before, Bonmi Verlag, which but so Bonmi Verlag is kind of more of like it's not a joke, but it's just like it's silly sort of. I mean, Ver, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it is kind of like, like it's this uninten unintentional like weird like German fetish, which I after the fact I'm like, dude, oh, it looks so stupid that I did that. But Jiraiya was an, an, <laughs> it was definitely in earnest calling it that. I was just like, well, what else? This journal is cool. It's this ref. It's like a cool like reference to this thing that I like. I don't know, but yeah, Bon Me Verlag was definitely more a little like sillier, like but well, just a little like weirder, I guess. It definitely rolls joke, off though. the tongue nicely. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I mean, I do get, I have gotten a lot of um, feedback about my work of recent that it's like uh, people think it's a joke or whatever, but it's not. It's definitely not. It's it has humor in it though. It's I mean everything. I'm a. I'd like to think of myself as a, a, a person with a sense of humor, and uh, you know I I think I'm really I've really been interested in the work of like someone like John Baldessari or someone like uh, Joseph Boys or so you know like more people who there's definitely humor in their work, and a lot of people really hated them for that. Well, so I remember there's something you were talking about, Bonmi Verlag, a long while ago. Uh, like, I mean, maybe you were just kind of riffing and making this up in conversation, <laughs> but it, it, there was something about, there was something about this like French imported bread combined with Vietnamese spice, and 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 so I, I, I see that. And then uh, I think of your recent work, which it seems to me like you're trying to set up, you're you're trying to create a piece where no matter what context it's performed in, it's yeah. wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, like, yeah, that's, like that's something is wrong no matter what. The sound is wrong, or yeah. the audience is wrong, or something that's, like that. And that's, yeah. and and so it brings together this sort of, um, you know pickled and spicy kind of uh, <laughs> uh, dissonance, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it it's really true. Yeah, the, the French, the French Vietnamese sandwich thing, I do remember saying that. Yeah, that was definitely something that like crossed my mind. And that's really, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really true. Um, also, and, and, uh, um, go ahead. Oh, oh, and I, I mean, I'm just wondering, uh, just because maybe not everybody listening uh, is aware of this, but but the but the first kind of series of LP splits you did were were really aimed at this exact uh, message. Right, right, right. Yeah, I can. Um, let me see. I have a couple copies here. Yeah, of the this this record that I put out is a is a split LP between. Um, Michael Pizarro, who I'm sure many people are familiar with, wonderful composer, um, and it's an electronic work that he and Greg Stewart realized, and the LP comes with a copy of the, the score. Um, and on the other side is a piece by my friend 
Matt Sullivan, who lives lives in London now, but he lived in L.A. for a long time. He ran a label called Eckhine, and he um, was pretty active in putting out cassettes in the sort of like 2007, 2008 to 2011 kind of American... The chill wave era. Well, chill yeah, wave. well, the sort of <clears throat> drone noise kind of experimental music thing, but he's um, really great guy, extremely knowledgeable guy, worked at a record store for a long time, um, really good um, musician, but he's been doing a lot of stuff with field recordings recently, and so that is a, it's a really, really bizarre field recording piece. So it, it was weirdly interesting when I asked both of them to do it, I didn't know what they were going to give me, and Pizarro had been working with field recordings for a long time, but he didn't give me a piece with field recordings. But this other guy, we've been working with like drones and like sign tones and stuff, and he gave me a field recording piece. But so this guy is more, he's in my mind just as serious as Pizarro, but he is not in academia at all. He is 30, 33, 32, um, and he's more kind of. I just don't think people who basically John Abbey refused to stock the LP because um, it wasn't up to his standards, like the number one distributor of Vondelweiser related material, oh. like that kind of, he was like, yeah, sorry, Jack, I'm not interested. I was like, you know, whatever. So that's kind of where I'm at. That also goes, that speaks to Andrew, what you were talking about, sort of kind of setting it up for failure in any regard and in the sort of more ex- more kind of like noise scene, underground American thing. Nobody gave a shit about that record. No one, so I can't even get, I can't, I can't get rid of them. I'll get a fine if I throw them on the street, you know, like I can't, I don't know what to do. I might, huh. I'm going to have to sneak into a dumpster at three in the morning and throw the rest of the records out. That's where I'm at right now. But so, yeah, so, it really is kind so, of between a lot of things. And I don't think a lot of people understand it. And time may, yeah, I, maybe it might Maybe it might have been a really bad idea. You know, you think that like time will, people will like come, like if it's a good idea in time, people will realize it. And But it's like, yeah, I don't, I couldn't speak to that. But I also, part of me wants to think that, yeah, in 20 years, people are really going to get what I was doing. <laughs> but also at the same time, it could very much as valid, as equally be like, oh yeah, no, it was like really stupid. And like, it's not that cool. And I'm fully fine with that. <laughs> well, maybe there's just some, you know, it's like uh, you can get a you can get a twelve dollar bond me yes. in Manhattan. Yes. You can get a two dollar bond me in Oakland. That's right. Not a lot of six dollar bond me's. Uh, I, I, you know what? I had a five fifty bond me at right down the street from Artist Space mm. on um, yeah. like south of just south of Canal on center street and it was so good it was amazing Maybe that's the question so you should be asking look, what's your favorite bon me it's i that that's my favorite bon me what's this place city. called it's uh sao sao voy like little deli little vietnamese deli around right the corner uh-huh. and a place you would never i mean i guess it's sort of like south chinatown area but it's like kind of in the middle of like north of tribeca sort of like you i it was so good though so if you look with persistence, you can you can really you can find what you're looking for.
Uh, I'm wondering because uh, you brought up Michael Pissarro there, and so just uh, so so to so to kind of shift things to the other stuff you do and uh, your jazz chords music and that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, we're doing this Antoine Boiger piece on the twenty fourth. Uh, can can you like like you talked a lot about this like mid century European modernism? Uh, can you talk about how this other work fits into what you do? So I I've studied um, composition uh, and theory in my undergrad at uh, the wonderful uh, eccentric Hampshire College in Amherst, Massachusetts. Um, and while I was there, I um, got some money from the school to go abroad for a semester, and I do an independent study with um, uh, Jörg Frey, the composer, who the Swiss composer, part of the Vondelweiser group. But and I just emailed him and I sent him a couple scores and a recording. And I like a week later, he's like, "Yeah, interested. Like, I've never been asked this before, but sure, why not?" Working with Jörg was really important for me, in, and it really does, I think, directly relate to the stuff that I'm doing today, even if it's not, doesn't in any way sound like his music, or it's the sort of music of like the Vondelweiser group, or sort of post-Cajun yeah, and, for, and for people music. who don't know, how would you describe the kind of Vondelweiser uh, music? Very, there's different factions of it, of course, but it's often characterized by usage of silence, um, very soft um, music, very minimal, uh, maybe lots of repetition, just very, very, very sparse and minimal, often kind of like music in chamber, chamber music settings or solos or duos or things like that. Very post, post Cajun kind of very inspired by the late work, the number pieces of John Cage's from the eighties and nineties. Um, but Jörg, to me, always stood out as this guy who was very much, like, very influenced by Morton Feldman, as, and as, as a composer, very important to me. So I saw that and saw taking these sort of ideas or non-ideas and, and sort of like Feldman's vocabulary or whatever, but of, like, um, these very, these sound worlds I don't yeah it's I mean it's hard to describe but basically a really important thing that I got from Jörg and our many conversations about music and form and structure and things like that is just this idea of this like very very like succinct idea of structure because I remember talking to Jörg one time about composition like what is composition and he was talking about I don't mean to blow up his spot, but he was talking about how, like, just, like, the idea of, like, a drone. He's like, that's not enough. You can't just have a piece that's just, like, a drone, like, one drone. And it's, like, and I think he said, I think what he said verbatim is you can't, like, it's not enough just to take a bath in the sound. Like, to hear, like, you know, like a complex, like a drone piece and all the harmonics. He's like, it's not enough just to take a bath in the sound. And he took two things on the table you know, he'll say like a stapler and a cup. And he just, he like had, I'm using these, I don't think they were the exact items, but whatever they were on the table, he took the, the stapler, quote unquote, and said, you know, this is not composition. And then 
he took the cup and put it right next to the stapler. And he's like, now this is composition. Like one, two, put these two objects next to each other. <laughs> and in his music, he does that too. You can, he, he will just put something. It's very much like this, po this lineage from Cage where it's like anything can happen. Like any note, any note can follow any other note. Valid and validly, like any anything can can go after anything. Another thing he once said to me about how he composed, he was saying, and again, I'm going to use some. I, I don't remember exactly what he would use as examples, but he's, he, you know, saying, so I say I write this like string quartet, and I write it, and I'm like, I don't know what is this complete, and then he. You know, say like, okay, so I take I take a step back, I look at it, and then I say, what if right after this, the end, um, like, there's 20 tubas come in, and that's just like the next thing that happens. He's like, and he was saying that he would often do that, where he would just consider like almost something absurd like that, and just what effect would it have on the perception of the the total form of the piece how would the piece be affected by that and so in a way that's like almost this absurd thing that like there is humor in that and i don't think he meant it to be humorous but there is humor in that but there's also something very serious about like looking at these decisions about of in, in composition like these compositional decisions and like really really these really like specific things because his music is often very simple very sparse a lot of like i mean his recent music has a, there's a lot of seventh chords in it weirdly um but very like simple consonant tonalities um but this very because there's so little sort of i mean there's a lot there's a hell of a lot more going on than a lot of other composers in that frontalizer group he says, what people, people have complained that his music sounds too classical, quote unquote, which I think is fucking bullshit. But uh, he, there's so little going on compared to someone like uh, Brian Fernieho or something, you know what I mean? There's so little going on that everything is this very um, discreet and very intentional decision. And so that idea, like taking, like using as little as possible having every decision be very intentional and take getting the most out of like minimal means is an idea is that I have really stuck with me. And so my music now doesn't sound anything like Jörg Fry's music. And I haven't, I've talked to him about this. We had lunch uh, last year in uh, Ara where he lives in Switzerland. And I've talked to him about this music that I've been doing. And he's like, Oh, that sounds really weird. Thank you. 
I don't want to talk smack. I don't want to be a smack talker, but like, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, dude, they're doing these, they're writing these pieces that it's like, dude, these were written in the nineties. Like these tech scores of like play one note contemplates the silence of eternity and like then drop one leaf in a bowl. Like, dude, like I can't, I can't do that. That's real though. Like that's, that shit is real. People are still writing that shit. Like, and it's cool and it's good, but it doesn't deserve to be on like a funded concert. This like. <laughs> so, so that's why I just wanted to say mm-hmm. a little plug here. We've got a free concert this Friday of yes. Antoine Blake. <laughs> what? Hey. Yeah. yeah, we're not about to make you pay for this music. Yeah. No, is that what you're saying, John? We're playing the, uh, the, we're playing the uh, Contemplate the Sounds of Eternity and uh, Drop a Leaf in the Bowl piece by Antoine Blake. I'm really excited about that one. 